Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Welcome back once again to the Corner of Truth and Courage. This is Tom Wallace. Folks, this is Lesson 7 in a series that we started here about a couple weeks ago. We spent four lessons dealing with the life of the Prophet Muhammad. We've covered two lessons on the scriptures of Islam, where their doctrines come from. And we're still into the Quran. We've done two lessons on the Quran. Uh, the first one was the basic generic background of the Quran. And what we learned there is that the Quran that they consider to be the oldest, the originals, that they claim to have two of the originals, couldn't have been written when they said it was written. They were written 150 years after Muhammad, maybe 200 years, and they weren't even written in Arabia. They were written in a Kufic script, which came out of Persia, the Arabs up in Persia, had a different penmanship. Vowels were in the Arabic uh, by this time. And so we know clearly that the early Qurans, the originals, the Uthman Qurans that they claim were the originals, aren't original. And in yesterday's broadcast, we discovered that they used human reasoning. The record I, you know, tells us they did. There's no way someone could argue, at least with any academic ability without any reasoning that these Qurans were a work of God. They were simply a deduction of human guesswork, human intellect, to choose what they thought Muhammad had taught them and laid it out in a codices, in a, in a, in a work that would be a standard for the rest of the Islamic world. So, today I was hanging on yesterday to the bombshell, the big bombshell of the Quran. And I didn't have time to get to that in yesterday's broadcast, so I'm going to get to that today. The big bombshell is that once they had finished all the work, now the lead guy, there were a team of seven, Zaid bin Tibet was the scribe of Muhammad. He was the lead fella, the editor of the whole project of the Uthman Qurans, when they had finished their job, and this is, again, part of the record out of the Sayyid Bukhari in the authentic hadiths of the Islamic doctrine. We're going to talk about the hadiths here in a moment. I'll explain more about what, the, what they are. But in Sayyid Bukhari, volume 6, 61, 510, he tells us that a verse from Surah 33 was missed by me when he copied the Quran. And he used to remember Allah's apostle reciting it. So we searched and found it and then added it later. So here's another reason why those two early Qurans that they say were the Uthman originals. If they were original, they would be missing this verse, right? Well, guess what? They contain this verse, that which proves that they're not the Uthman Qurans. But it also proves the biggest bombshell is it proves this, that if this truly was the work of God, the inerrant, preserved, inspired words of God, that we wouldn't have these mistakes if God was in control. But what we had is mere men with human intellect, probably brilliant men, 
probably the best of their day, the highest scholars of their day, no doubt. But at the end of the day, they're still men guessing at what they think should be God's word and using their own intellect, their own reasoning, their own academic ability to put it together. And when they did, they finally finished it. Zion Bid Tibet comes back and says, oh, oh my goodness, fellas, I got bad news. We forgot, we, we missed out a verse. And it was added later. And that was verse 23 of chapter 33 out of the Quran, which reads, among the believers are men who have been true in their covenant with Allah. And that verse was missed. So that's the Quran. The Quran are the words of their God, Allah, but that is not all of their scriptures. Part of our problem here in the West of understanding this religion is that it has a twist to it, a little complexity. And the complexity is that you've also got to look at the teachings of the prophet Muhammad. What did he say? Because you cannot interpret the Quran without the prophet's guidance. In fact, even the most faithful, loyal Muslim scholars would admit to you that about 20% of the Quran is, un, you just cannot understand it. It is, they, they, they call it the mystery of God. 20% of the Quran is, there's just no way for you, for, for anyone to make sense of what it means. Even they can't figure it out. To figure out what is there, as I said, there's no narrative in it unless they're telling Bible stories of the Old Testament and New Testament, and even children Targum stories, as we, we'll talk about that a little later on. But the Hadiths are vital to interpreting the Quran. These are the teachings of the Prophet Muhammad. When you lay Muhammad's life over the Quran, then you get a narrative. Then you kind of have a time stamp for understanding the Quran. Again, it was laid out where the larger chapters are in the front, smaller chapters are in the back. So what Muhammad said earlier in his ministry may be mixed up anywhere in the Quran. There's no real order or rhyme to that other than larger chapters are in front, smaller chapters are in back. It's not like the Old Testament where it takes us from one time period and we you know, move the clock forward and the narrative is, is building and growing. and so that the, the Quran d doesn't have that. You've got a lot of mixed thoughts and, and things just jumbled together, and it is very difficult. It's extremely difficult reading. So let's look at the Hadiths. Now, the Hadiths are one part of what we call the Sunnah. The Sunnah as a whole are a collection of the Hadiths and the Sirah. And these are pretty much the teachings and the testimonies of the prophet himself. He didn't write anything down. He, he was an unlettered prophet. So all we have is the oral versions of what he said and did and the testimonies of what his companions, they don't call them disciples, they call them companions, what his companions said that the prophet did and said. And some of these people would be his family as well. So the Hadiths are these collections. So the Hadiths are the traditions and teachings of the prophet Muhammad to his companions. Some of the Hadiths include actions of the early caliphs. The caliphs are the successors, the men who followed him to become the emperors of the 
Ummah, the kingdom, the union of Islam. The science of Hadith was developed about in the year 1236, a development of uh, codicizing these and bringing these together had developed. And there are over 600,000 hadiths, 600,000 testimonies, stories that are uh, collected. Yet many of them are not considered to be genuine. Those that are considered to be authentic and genuine would have the term sahih in front of it. So sahih means the approved, the authentic, genuine hadiths. It's similar to the Latin word when we say the received text of the Textus Receptus. When we looked at the Bible uh, in its early days, we'd say these were the received texts. This is what was commonly accepted as to be authentic. And so within the Hadith, we have a family of those out there. The two most popular Sa'i Hadiths, the collectors, are Bukhari and Muslim. But what's very important is that we, we need to understand these men. Because something about them is very important. Now, Bukhari, Bukhari Sharif, Sharif is, his, is his full name. He spent 16 years traveling, compiling his collection. He made over 600,000 notations and accepted roughly 7,500. So of the different Hadith stories and traditions that he had heard, of his 16 years of research, he had collected over 600,000. But he only believed 7,500 of them were actually real and genuine. So if you reduce the repetitions of these uh, stories, because you you might have five people who witness the same incident. So when you reduce these repetitions, you only get to about 2,600 hadiths. Now he finishes work in the year 846 A.D. 846 A.D. Now, what's important here is that Muhammad died in the year 732. 732 to 846. This work wasn't even written to over a hundred years after the life of the prophet Muhammad. So who is he getting this information from? Are you following my my thinking? The fact is, the most authentic hadiths that Muslims turn to to be gospel, to be almost like Bible, like scripture, did not come from the real companions of Muhammad. It came from the companions' children and grandchildren. That's who he's talking to. That's who he's getting these collections from. Now, so Bukhari is the main guy. The next guy underneath him is Sayyid Muslim. Muslim was a student of Bukhari. And Muslim didn't finish his work until the year 874. So the two most authentic uh, collectors of the hadiths, of the Sayyid hadiths, are being produced about a uh, hundred years after the life of Muhammad himself even much later, 130, 40 years later. So these guys are not talking to the actual companions of Muhammad. They're talking to the children, grandchildren, and maybe even great-grandchildren. 
I'm here to suggest to you that legends are born in less time. And so how do we know that these stories of Muhammad are accurate? Well, no one would actually give claim that these are inspired, but you can't interpret the Quran without them. But they didn't even come from the companions of Muhammad themselves. They came much later. Well, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we're going to have to stop here and pick up tomorrow at the Corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you. Hi, this is Gil Ford, and I want to share with you some things you might want to know about Fortress of Faith. Fortress of Faith is enjoyed by listeners on almost 90 stations, coast to coast. They are purely a listener-supported broadcast and is heavily dependent on the support of their listeners. Their budget is very modest and a good portion of their support comes from monthly donations. However, their spring and fall fundraisers are very essential to their budget. Please consider supporting Fortress of Faith. Their message is dynamic, on point, and very much needed. As Tom often says, there are three ways to send in your support. One is by giving safely and securely online at fortressoffaith.com. Another way to give is by check. If you want to give by check, please call to get their address and to make a pledge of what you want to give. The number to call is 1-800-616-0082. That's 1-800-616-0082. Lastly, you can give over the phone from a bank or credit card. If you want to donate today over the phone, please call 1-800-616-0082. That's 1-800-616-0082. Again, this is Gil Ford wishing you a great day in the Lord.